Uh, well, it's great to be here. Uh, can I just say, uh, you guys are so welcoming. Uh, it's, it feels amazing to come here because you're so kind and say nice things, which uh, I'm not saying they don't do that at Lincoln, but uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, I, I like coming in here as well because it reminds me of what I used to do before I, I do what I do now. I used to work for Youth for Christ as a youth worker and used to come into this school quite a lot and do lessons and assemblies. Uh, I remember actually uh, this room reminds me of one of my biggest failures as a youth worker as well, when uh, <laughs> we were planning all week this amazing assembly. I can't remember what the point was, it was something Christian, but we were planning some assembly, and we had all these props, um, this giant oven that someone climbed inside and did something, but we, we said, uh, right, it starts at 8.30, I live the closest, so I was going to get here first at quarter past eight, so I could set all the props up and have my car absolutely filled with all these things. And the morning of the, uh, the assembly, I woke up and I felt particularly refreshed that morning. I felt really, really good. In fact, I felt a little, bit, a little bit too refreshed. And I looked at my clock and it was 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I looked at my phone and I had about 17 missed calls from my colleagues, Rick Holland and Nathan Ross, uh, who, were <laughs> who were hiding behind those curtains, panicking, thinking, where is he? And they had nothing planned up their sleeve. But I can't remember. I, I wasn't there, so I don't know how it went. But I... I from my room, I just assumed it went well. Yeah, so now, so as uh, Joe kind of alluded to, now the things that I do now, I work for a live uh, church. Uh, I run Axe Trust, which is the charity that the church founded, uh, overseeing lots of great projects in Lincoln, like Lincoln Food Bank, um, Restore Furniture. Um, we have a Butterflies too, a Men's Shed, uh, and it's really amazing to see how the church can do some amazing things, not just thinking about what's happening inside our four walls, but what happens outside. Uh, if we're a church in a city or in a church in a neighborhood, then we're there for a reason and we should be blessing that community. So I really believe in, in all of that. So this morning, I want to share uh, from uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read a passage here. And this, this book, written by Simon Peter, was written because Simon was trying to Simon Peter was trying to explain to the churches what they should be like in these end times. This time between Jesus going back up into heaven and the days when he's going to come back again, the things that we need to be like, the things that we need to be alert to and, and how we should be. So let's read this together. If you want to read, you can. It's one Peter chapter four, verse eight to ten. It says this The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. Amazing passage. So as I say, it was written by Simon Peter about how we should respond in the difficult times when life gets difficult, the way we should be with each other, especially in these days that we're living in now. And simply from this passage, four things. One is pray with alertness. You know, when you pray, don't just switch off and, and mumble a few words, but be alert. Really think about what you're praying. Pray with alertness really clearly. Love one another. Love one another. Look after each other and serve one another. Pray with alertness, love one another, look after each other and serve with each other. The verse in the middle of that, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, it says, Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal 
or a place to stay. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, depending on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that passage either fills you with glee or with horror. <laughs> Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Put your hand up if you're an introvert. <laughs> That's a joke because Joe always says introverts don't put their hands up. Um, I, I don't know about you, if you've ever done those personality profiles and tests and those things that people like to do. I've done a few in my time and often I, I usually score somewhere more on the extrovert side uh, than the introvert side, although somewhere sort of in the middle. Uh, but it also, I, I always find it depends on the time of day, doesn't it, as to whether you're feeling sort of, you know, want to be around people or not. Uh, for me, generally, I'm awful with people before nine o'clock in the morning. Um, so when I'm invited to go to um, early morning prayers, I generally decline and, and choose a diff different prayer slot. Uh, I'm good with people after that. In the mornings, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty quite lively and chatty. Uh, I'm a bit rubbish early afternoon. I have a bit of a lull. Uh, then I'm great at around tea time. And then I'm dire after 9 p.m., uh, if I'm honest. When, when Katie and I were first married, we had to negotiate a lot of things and different ways that we were, um, different... Uh, uh, ways that we did life. Uh, some of those things were things like meal sizes. So uh, Katie would pre prepare a meal and I'd be like, that looks like a starter. Uh, where's, the, where's the main meal? You know, we should have more food. And she'd be saying, don't be ridiculous. You don't need that much food. That's too much on your plate. Um, but also things like what time you wake up and what time you go to sleep and trying to get them synchronized. I, I'm a bit of an early bird. Uh, Kate's more of a night owl. And so how do you negotiate? And the way it got negotiated in the end is that we both stay up late and then I wake up early anyway, so I don't get much sleep. Uh, but uh, one thing that we do generally both like to do that's quite uh, the same for us is we, we really enjoy having people in our home. We really like it. We like having family rounds. We like to have an open door and invite people into our home. Uh, we've, we live in town and it's quite convenient because it's really easy for people to come to. For a while, we lived out in the sticks in Jerusalem, not, not like Jerusalem, Jerusalem, but, you know, the one near the, that smelly factory, and, uh, and no one visited. I, I don't think it was the smelly factory. I think it was just because it was quite far away from town, and we didn't really like it after a while, and we were quite glad to move back into town where it was a bit easier for people to get to us. Um, but if we have guests around, it's great, but once it gets past nine, Katie find me, finds me quite embarrassing because I start dropping lots of hints, like, ah. Oh, Oh, is that the, oh, I thought it was only 8 p.m. It's 9 p.m. Wow. Oh, oh, I'm, oh, I've got an early start tomorrow. It's going to be a busy day, and, and everyone can see through it. Everyone knows what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty dire. But let's take it in the context of this verse. Peter was encouraging us, all of us, to be really open about sharing our lives with other people, our homes and our tables. He was, he was trying to encourage us. That being part of a community isn't just about when you connect together in your programs. It's actually about doing life together, having an open door, and being really involved with each other's lives. It's less about surrendering your personal space, which is good news for the introverts. It's more about making sure that each other's needs are met when we are facing challenges. It's about practical needs. It's about the things when things are tough and there's... Uh, issues from on a practical level, but it's also about our social needs too. It's about community. It's about the fact that we're designed to be together. We're not really designed to be on our own. We're sociable people, and we're supposed to be together. 
But there are so many people who that's not life's experience for them. It's not the everyday normal to be with other people all of the time. And for some people, that's a real challenge. And it's a challenge for us too about how we can be open, uh, not just with our Sunday morning services, but just generally with our life, how we can be open to others. So I was really blessed that I got to go to Ethiopia back in May as a representative of all, uh, all of Alive for Make a Difference. As you probably saw, the, did you see the video here, the Ethiopia video? Um, an amazing place to visit. I was really thrilled uh, to be asked to go and represent and to make that connection with the partners over there, with Tear Fund and the church called uh, EKHC, Ethiopian Kali Haywet Church. Uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing, a beautiful country to go to, very different to what I expected. It's a, be- it's a beautiful place. And I was, I was, we, we met with lots of different people. We got to see some of the projects firsthand. Uh, these self-help groups are amazing, an amazing concept that gathers people together who literally had nothing in their communities, nothing. And these are people who... For years, the expectation was when something goes really wrong in our community, when things fall apart, somebody will come in and help us. You know, off the back of the 80s when Ethiopia really came in the news, a lot of good-meaning people in the West really wanted to go and help, and they did. They wanted to go in, they wanted to help build things, repair things, uh, make programs, do lots of great things. But you fast forward 20, 30 years, and what happened for a lot of people is this expectation that when things go wrong in our community, somebody comes in and helps us. And it even though it was really good, some amazing things happening, it was also for them felt disempowering, you know, that we rely on others to come in and help us when we're in need. Yet, this amazing model that we're supporting with Make a Difference that says actually people have the power within themselves and within their communities to meet the challenges and the needs that they face, that actually we don't have to rely on others from outside. We've got it within our own communities. When they first started going to different local churches and communities and saying about this is what we can do, nobody believed them. They thought it's impossible. We don't have the resources in our community. We we are in absolute poverty. And they were encouraged, just save a little bit, just a few pence each week. Put it in a pot together. And, And again, they didn't believe it. What can just a few pence do to make a difference? It really can't. Yet, they start to save together. And just the fact that they start meeting together, they were able to start finding solutions to each other's problems when they start talking as a community oh yeah we can help with that oh yeah I know what to do about that but even the money they're saving members from those groups being able to take money from that borrow money from that in order to start businesses in order to build things build things to their community that could have never happened before and this is all empowered by themselves you've seen a couple of you've heard a couple of the stories already I think from the self-help groups this guy here that you can see uh, uh, an amazing guy that we met, uh, Abate Bainier. Uh, he, he was a guy in a self-help group who literally had nothing, and he, he was just saving a few pence each week. But he was able, through his self-help group, uh, to buy some peas, some pea seeds. That was it, just some pea seeds. He bought some pea seeds, and the local government gave him some fertilizer, and he started to grow peas. That's it, simple as that. But he began to grow these peas, and began to sell these peas, making a profit, and was able to buy more fruit and vegetables and became a a local farmer with his own plot of land. And now he's uh, a successful local farmer. He's built his own house. He's now giving money into the community. He's helping to build things. And as a group, this this community 
they have a church building. But because the church is growing so fast and so big, because of people realizing the church is actually really making a difference, they're now constructing a new church around the old church. So the new church is still there, but they've literally built the framework of the old church around the old one. And they said, you know, one day when we finish building this one, we'll knock down the bricks of the old one and we'll carry them out through the door. And then we've got a bigger church. In his community, over 400 people have found faith because of the great work that the local church is doing. Many from Muslim backgrounds and the church is growing. I was really struck by their background of absolute poverty uh, in a way that I'd never seen before which emphasized for me, and I think for all of us here in the stories, that, that true triumphs were taking place, real triumphs where communities were really making a difference. I was awed, though, also equally by their sense of community. Where they appeared poor materially and practically, they, to me, they seemed so rich in community. They did life together, struggles and all. Here were churches, as Paul compels us to when facing challenges, who were genuinely loving each other, looking after each other, and serving one, in, one another, just as Paul com uh, commanded the church to do. They were living out uh, true community. And yes, they were materially poor, but community, they were rich. And we asked lots of questions while we were there. That was part of the, the reason why we went, was to ask lots of questions and get lots of information so I could bring it back here and we could share it with the church. But we were also asked lots of questions. And the question that I seemed to get asked everywhere we went was, do you have poverty in the UK? Do you have poverty in the UK? And I, I mean, how do I answer that question when the person asking me has absolutely nothing? How do I answer the question, do you have poverty in the UK? But... If we acknowledge this holistic definition of what poverty is, that poverty is really about brokenness. And it's not just about brokenness in the material sense, but it can also mean brokenness in the sense of community. So that's a form of poverty. It can mean brokenness for myself if I have low self-esteem and low confidence. That's a form of brokenness and that's a form of poverty. And if we take this holistic view, if we think about spiritual poverty, a disconnection from God, then actually, yes, there is poverty in the UK. And it might look so much very different to what we've seen and experienced from other places. But yes, we do. We have poverty here. I found myself reflecting on how good they were at doing community. In contrast, in the UK, to the rising epidemic of loneliness. Also got asked the question, what do people like to eat here? And at one point I said, oh, actually one of the biggest rising markets for food in the UK is ready-made me ready meals for one. And, they, and, and my friend uh, Sion said, uh, really? Ready meals for one? Nobody eats here alone in Ethiopia. Not even in the city. Nobody eats alone. And I, I just found that fascinating, really fascinating. Let's look at some stats for a moment. According to Euromonitor data, the UK is Europe's biggest market for ready meals, with British consumers spending an amazing £4.7 billion each year on ready-to-eat convenience meals. That's increasing by 2.5% every year. A Mintel survey of 2,000 UK consumers aged 16 and over has found that one in three people in the UK are regularly eating every meal alone. 
And the figure rises in London to almost one in two, almost half. Sainsbury's Living Well reports found a direct link between the reduction in eating with others and the decline in well-being. Let's just think about that for a moment. A reduction in eating with others, there's a direct link between that and well-being. Not just like social well-being, but actual physical well-being. The report confirms this general picture of a British society that has been emerging in recent years, rising social disconnect and loneliness, of work stress and excess screen time, and of many individuals experiencing a significant crisis in their mental health. So what does this mean for us here in the UK? I was chatting to one of my good friends, Mike, uh, from Lincoln Live, about this. We were talking about the rise of young people, uh, mainly men, who pretty much spend their day at home all day by themselves, just playing computer games, never having any real interaction with people in the real world. And he said to me, oh, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> Get to spend my day all by myself. Don't have to talk to anyone or interact with anybody. Get to play computer games all day. You see, social isolation doesn't always mean the same thing as loneliness. Some people prefer their own company. They like to spend time by themselves. They choose to do that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're lonely. They can choose when they want to spend time themselves. Or, uh, but the, the other side of that, of course, is that sometimes people can spend all day in a crowd. Perhaps even some of us here, we're in a crowd, yet we still feel loneliness yet we still feel loneliness. In fact, in January last year, the UK even got a minister for loneliness in the uh, cabinet when loneliness uh, became part of the remit for the Minister for Sports and Civil Society because loneliness is now recognised in the UK as becoming a bigger problem for the NHS, even than obesity, in terms of people's physical health. Isn't that incredible? Loneliness is becoming a bigger social problem and a, a physical problem in this country. A report last Christmas even revealed that elderly li people living alone are twice as likely to visit their GP, mainly because they're lonely and feeling lonely and they just need someone that they can go and visit and talk to about the problems that they are facing. I just find that really sad that that's uh, one of the things that our own country is facing in these days is this uh, rise of loneliness and people feeling uh, excluded, isolated and lonely. And GPs are now doing more than just prescribing medicine, they're doing what's called social prescribing. I imagine some of us have heard of that where he, doesn't just write a he or she doesn't just write a prescription for uh, some medicine that you can take but also writes a prescription for social activities that you can take part in, uh, clubs or groups that you can go to uh, because that is now seen as a solution to some uh, health problems in the UK. Just to go and connect with people and actually interact with people, not to be by yourself. So what does this mean for us as a community called church? What does this mean for us? Well, the UK culture may have seen a shift towards individualism. You know, I can have what I want, I can be where I want to be, I can believe what I want to believe. 
And the church's position isn't to necessarily pitch itself against mainstream culture, but it's more, I believe, to be a culture setter, that we set the culture of our communities and we set the culture of our country. We don't just say we're against all of this, but we say, listen, let us show you the way for how we do good community in this country. And we create a culture within church that Peter was instructing us to do. And what is that? It's about living life together. It's about not being on our own. We run, as I mentioned earlier, we also run a, a men's shed. And I remember doing recently a presentation about the trip to Ethiopia and talking about this. And then looking around the room and realizing that almost every single guy in that room, without uh, exclusion, they all live by themselves and they all eat by themselves. And we suddenly realized, uh, hang on a minute, we're talking to ourselves here. And what was amazing of off the back of that, the, the guys now regularly have a rota where they just go and eat together at people's homes. And it's, you know, we come and we do practical things and we, do, we have fun together. But is, is, is our ministry to these guys just between half seven and half nine on a Thursday night? But actually, is there something about, if we're, if we're serious in church about reaching out to people and doing life together, if we're serious about that, then let's actually do life together, not just our programs and our moments where we meet together. Over the past uh, three years, I've been really fortunate to be involved in something uh, really exciting in Lincoln called the Active Faith Network. Has anyone heard of the Active Faith Network? There's a few here who have been involved uh, with the Active Faith Network. Uh, so what this is, it's a network of churches working together in our city. Now, I think Lincoln's got quite a good history of churches being together, working together through prayer. A lot of church leaders for many years have been meeting together and praying. And I think what the Active Faith Network is is the fruit of some of those prayers. Because what it is, is it's churches saying, actually, we all care about our community. We all care about our city and our neighborhoods. So why don't we actually start working together uh, to make a difference rather than just working on our own? There's about 70 churches in uh, Lincoln and the surrounding villages. And around 50 of them have signed up to say we're part of this network, which in itself is amazing. The history of this is... Um, Many years ago, I, I was approached by someone who said, the churches have always historically had a seat at the council in their, one of their boards where they try and connect with the communities. They've always had a seat there where they can consult with the churches and they can share information with the churches. But no one sat on that seat for many years um, who can represent all the churches. And they asked if I would be happy to go and sit on this board to represent the churches. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I, I can't do that. Because I don't know anything about all the ch what all the churches are doing. I could sit there and talk about my church and what Alive does, but I couldn't tell you about other churches because we aren't working together. We, we might know each other, but I, I don't know who the contacts are. I don't know who's running food banks and who's running toddler groups. I can't. If I got information, who do I pass it on to? And if you want to hear what's happening in the churches, I can only talk about my own. And so we decided we should create a network and try and encourage a network called the Active Faith Network of churches working together. And the catalyst to make it really happen was when the Cinema Network did an audit in Lincoln of what all faith groups are actually achieving. And we did a big celebration at the event at the cathedral. We invited city leaders, chief of police, leader of the council to come down and hear about the contribution that all the churches and faith groups in Lincoln were, were doing and making. It was amazing. But at the end of that session, the leader of the council said, it's really good to hear what you're all doing. But can't you get yourselves organized so that when we want to connect with the churches, we can, is there just one contact we can go to, one 
one name, one email address, one phone number. And that really helped us because all the churches got it then. We need to start getting more organized. And we created the network. We employed a, a coordinator, Sean Wade at Bridge Church. And now we've organized ourselves into different subgroups focusing on different areas, which are things like homelessness, children and young people, food, poverty, finance and employment, health and well-being and inclusion. And the result of this is that now people are coming to the church for solutions in Lincoln and the surrounding villages and areas. And they're coming to partner with the churches like never before because they've seen that we're a force for good in, uh, in this area. Some examples of that. Uh, last weekend, the, no, uh, the, the brand new Nomad Center opened. So Nomad who provides a place for people with homeless, who are in homelessness to go and have a bed for the night. They opened their brand new center. And the first thing they did before they opened it is they said to the Active Faith Network, can you come with representatives from the churches and be our first guests and have a prayer meeting in the Nomad Center um, to bless this place before we open it? And that was incredible because they've seen we can actually now connect in a meaningful way with all the churches. Another one is the NHS wanting to partner with churches saying there's a crisis in our city of loneliness. There's a crisis in our city um, of people having a mental health crisis, particularly in the night. And we want to connect with churches to run crisis cafes in the city. And we've seen that you're an organized group of people and we believe in you and we want to put our money into it. And we want to fund you as churches to be able to provide crisis cafes across this city and around this area. Um, and that is an amazing thing, that, the, that what God is doing through the churches in Lincoln. And I say this because I'm encouraging us to know that when people find that there is no hope, the church always has its light on. When there are people in need in this city, we as churches have our light on. And we're saying, this is a place where you can come. You don't have to face that crisis alone. You don't have to be by yourself when you're going through those debt issues or when you're, uh, when you're going through trauma from the loss of a loved one. You don't have to be by yourself. There is a light on and the churches are active and love you and love this place. So what is our own response as well? Let's just remind ourselves of Peter's instruction. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 to 10. The end of all things is near. Therefore... Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let's pray with alertness. Let's love each other. Let's look after each other and let's serve each other. There has to be two types of response to this, a response as a church together, but there also has to be a response on an individual level. So church, and I know you're a super welcoming church because I've experienced it today, but support your projects, support butterflies, support the great things that are happening, support Stacy. Think about the question, what can I do? What can I do? Don't be afraid to ask that question. Support the things, the great things that you as a church are running. Get involved with them because they're, they're reaching out to people who are on their own, who are lonely in this place. Also, look out for citywide partnership opportunities. Look out for them. Look out for ways that you can connect with other churches and work together. 
perhaps even joining uh, in with the Active Faith Network, joining with one of the subgroups. And don't lose that amazing open door attitude that you have here. Don't lose it. You're You're a lively growing church and that's because you have an open door and you're so welcoming. Don't ever lose that. But the second way to respond is how we respond to this on an individual level. Firstly, because we're talking to ourselves as well, aren't we, if we're honest? If any of us here are struggling with anything, don't struggle alone. But talk. Talk about where you're at. Talk about what's going on. We're all, at some level, got some level of brokenness in our lives. And we all carry stuff, whatever that might be. There's no people who've got it all sorted. We're all in this together. And so when we're facing difficult times, don't struggle alone. Talk with somebody. What else? Well, if there are any among you who are eating alone, can we make extra space at our table? Is there an extra chair that you can pull up to your tables? Are there people that you know within this community who are eating alone? Why not have an open door at home? Let's get into the habit of responding immediately. Don't wait for the church to set up a new group or a because sometimes it's just a friendly phone call or a text message is all that's needed when you think someone think of somebody or you become aware of a need. And lastly, of course, pray, as Peter says, pray with alertness. Pray with alertness. Ask God to make your mind alert to the needs and the challenges around you. So let's respond in that way now. Let's pray together. Let's pray with alertness. Let's pray for the needs in this place and within our own community. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who loves and has great compassion. We thank you that you are a gracious God. You're a God who knows all things. You know all things about us, yet you still love us deeply. And we are so in awe of you. Father God, we love we love Highcombe, we love our city, we love this region and we we want to bless it and serve it in the way that you would tell us to do. Help us God to be open with our hospitality. Help us God to be a welcoming community and church. But challenge us each to God on an individual way in an individual way. Challenge us what we can do. Show us where to go, who to speak to. Help us to be open with our lives. We know you created us, God, to be together. Help us not to, uh, to lose sight of that, but to be always mindful that we're building kingdom and we do that by building together. I pray your blessing upon each one of us here. Those of us of, who have struggles of our own today, help us, God, not to hide away in the corner. Help us to be open and to talk with each other and share. And help all of us to be available and ready to respond in times of need. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.